0: Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Dale Lolly Show here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I am Dale Lolly, and yes, this is a Tuesday. And if you're listening, a regular listener to the Dale Lolly Show, you understand that well, this is something a little bit different. Uh, we're trying out uh, doing daily with the Dale Lawley Show during the Steelers uh, season here. And, well, it officially kicks off today as the players report to C- uh, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. I'll be out there, as will uh, Chris Halicki, Eddie Provident, and uh, Dayon Kovakovic. We'll all be there bringing you all the uh, news and notes and information Um, over the next three weeks, I'll be embedded out there as I am every year. And this will be year 29 for me at Steelers training camp. But, of course, this training camp, a little bit different than the previous two uh, in that, of course, we we weren't at St. Vincent College. And fans might wonder, what makes a training camp? Why do the Steelers still want to do training camp at St. Vincent College? And I'll give you some reasons for that. And the the major thing is team building. And you heard Mike Tomlin uh, talk about it uh, at the end of minicamp. I guarantee, you if Mike Tomlin could take the team and keep them at St. Vincent College uh, during during the NFL season, he would do that because he's got them thinking about football twenty four hours a day when they are at St. Vincent College. And the the other thing about it, and this is something he brought up, he, he said, look. Even in downtime, these guys are hanging out with their teammates. They're getting to know one another. And, and so that's a big deal. That's something that you fall back back on in, you know, November when it's the fourth quarter and you're playing the Browns and, you know, something happens and you, you, you fall back on that brotherhood. You fall back on that, those bonds that are created uh, at St. Vincent College, and, you know, when you're, you're living there in a dorm with everybody for 18 straight days. Uh, it, it does create something that's special, and I've seen it year after year. Um, and, and you kind of missed that a little bit when they didn't have it the last two years. Yes, you can still have friendships and a bond, but the Steelers have always had a, a special relationship with each other in that locker room, whether it be Jerome Bettis, uh, you know, taking basically everybody on on the team under his wing and being that guy. For everybody on the team, you know, whether it be offensive guys or defensive guys, if they needed something, they knew they could go to Jerome Bettis, whether it be to talk, whether it be to, to, to you know, figure out a situation. That guy now is Cam Hayward. He is, he is basically the Jerome Bettis of this team. He's the guy that's been here the longest now. Uh, Of course, had been here since 2011. Now the Ben Roethlisberger is gone. He is the elder statesman on the Steelers roster. And he's also the guy that everybody looks to for leadership. And you'd like to have a a leader on the offense and a leader on the defense. And that's why, you know, Mike Tomlin talks about, you know, creating a leadership role for Najee Harris. He'd like him to be that guy. You can't force it. You can't. And that's why, you know, it took Ben Roethlisberger a few years to become a team captain because he had guys like Alan Fanica, like Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis, on that side of the ball with him. He didn't have to be a leader. Now, as a quarterback, you're naturally the leader. But you don't have to be that guy. You don't have to be the rah-rah. I'm going to gather everybody around me and give the pregame speech and do all that kind of stuff. But that guy's Cam Hayward now. And this is where that kind of gets cemented when you're at training camp in these kind of situations because everybody takes their key off of how that guy works. That's why you seldom see Cam Hayward take a day off. If he does take a day off, it's because he's really banged up or Mike Tomlin just wants to take it easy on him because Cam won't take a day off on his own. That's just not who he is. Um, so, you know, that that's that's one of the things that's going to happen here as the Steelers roll into their first practice on Wednesday. Uh, of course, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, they won't be in pads. Uh, that will happen on Saturday. And Saturday, looking forward to backs on backers, the first real football-type thing that takes place in a training camp. Bill Cower and Chuck Noll used to be there early on, the Oklahoma drill. For Cower, he always had a goal line drill. Then after he got rid of the Oklahoma drill, that kind of showed that, that first Saturday, he did break out the goal line drill, and they would go live in that. Tomlin has done it with the, the backs on backers drill, and then they go to live tackling. And there aren't a lot of teams that do that. I can remember when the Detroit Lions came to the Steelers training camp. They had had crossover practices with them when Jim Caldwell was the head coach there. And some of the Lions writers, the Lions were on one field and the Steelers were on the other and the Steelers went live tackling in their drills uh, within their team stuff. And the Lions writers were looking on going, Oh my God, they're tackling guys to the ground. Yeah. You know, that's how you build it. That's how you find out if guys can do that because you've only got three preseason games now. So that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll look forward to that. But we'll also look forward to bringing you all the stories that, that take place at St. Vincent College. Of course, you can read those on DK Pittsburgh Sports. You can follow us along with us on our Twitter feed in live files. Everything that's going on out there we will have you covered uh, as we always do. Really looking forward to this myself. And uh, I'm going to take a break now. Um, when I come back, I want to tell maybe a few training camp stories, some some favorite memories of mine. From training camp things that i remember things that I'll, I'll i'll never forget um we'll talk about some of those when we return you are listening to the dale lolly show here on the dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network I am Dale Lally. You're listening to the Dale Lally Show here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, and I mentioned previously uh, this is going to be my 29th training camp, uh, and obviously over 29 years, when you spend that many days in one place, you, you come up with some memories. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on some things here that that I'll never forget. Uh, things that that uh, I've seen, things that I've heard at training camp that have always stuck with me. Some favorite stories. The first one I'm going to share with you. I can remember talking to Ike Taylor, and he was talking about. it may have been his second or third year in the NFL, and he was moving into the starting lineup. And he was talking about that opportunity to be in the starting lineup for the Steelers. And it was me and maybe another reporter or two were talking to him outside of the. Uh, of the cafeteria and Ike was asked about that starting opportunity and said you know a once in a lifetime opportunity only comes around every so often it's a once in a lifetime opportunity Ike it can only come around by definition once but that was Ike Taylor a uh, little malaprop there he's he, he uh, of course uh, uh, good at that. But he's gotten so much better at the media stuff. Uh, Ike doing his own radio shows, his own podcasting. He's he's really branched out and done a nice job with himself in his post uh, post football career. But that, uh, that quote was actually picked up and it ran in Sports Illustrated uh, later that year. Uh, Ike Taylor's uh, kind of nonsensical look at a once in a lifetime opportunity. I also remember when Myron Cope, uh, the great uh, Myron Cope came out and Myron was, was up in age a little bit. And Myron brought a little stool out with him to training camp that he could sit on it. It had, it had just one leg on it uh, that he could just kind of lean on and and, kind of lean back and, and put his butt on. And wouldn't, you know, there's a play coming straight at Myron. And everybody, we thought that Myron was going to get killed. Myron jumped up and got out of the way. Uh, not supposed to sit on the sidelines. That's one of the rules for reporters. And Cope almost learned that the hard way when he almost got run over. I can remember another time I was standing along the sidelines. And this was just a few years ago. This was maybe Le'Veon Bell's second year in the league, maybe third year in the league. Uh, maybe, it probably his third year, probably so 2015. Uh, because Stefan it was a starter by then as obviously was Cam Hayward. And I can remember I was standing along the sideline at the practice field, and there was a little dump-off pass to on Bell along the sidelines. And coming that coming right towards me along the sidelines. And so were Tewitt and Hayward, chasing the play from behind. And I just remember looking at those two massive human beings as they sprinted in my direction. I mean, they were coming right at me. And I thought, boy, I would not want to get tackled by one of those guys, let alone two of them at the same time. Those are two big men moving very, very fast. Um, I can remember uh, the the aforementioned uh, goal line drills and Casey Hampton was always lobbying Bill Cower to play fullback and they let him do it. And Hampton uh, ran the, uh, ran the lead into the, into the line of scrimmage. And I believe if, if memory serves, it was Clint Crewalt came up into the hole and and hit Hampton dead on in the hole. And it was just a massive collision. And I don't even remember if the runner scored or not. I just remember after the practice, uh, we went over to talk to Casey about that and and talk about that hit. And he said, in regards to the, uh, to the fullback job, that stuff, and he didn't use the word stuff, is a rap. He was not going to play fullback anymore. That was it for him. He was not going to put himself in that kind of harm's way anymore, uh, because that just was not worth it. Um, I can, you know, I can also remember uh, you know, when Jermaine Stevens couldn't make it through the run test. He had gotten married in the offseason um after mini-camp and 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 it gained a little bit of weight while he was on his honeymoon and he collapsed. He couldn't get the uh couldn't finish the run test. And I believe at that time it was 22 timed one hundreds and Greg Lloyd standing over top of him and waving the towel in his face, trying to cool him down. And of course, everybody wrote about it. And later that night, we were talking to Tom Donahoe who was still the uh, the general manager at the time. Actually he was still the, it was the football director of football operations at ta- at that time for the Steelers. That was the title of the job, even though it was the, the de facto general manager And he was, he was berating some of the media members for, because we made fun of Jermaine Stevens for not being able to finish that run test. He said, you guys couldn't do it. And so the next day, me being the young guy that I was at the time, I was probably 27 ish somewhere in there. I was in my late twenties. Let's put it that way. And I decided to go up to the tennis courts at St. Vincent College, and and you know before practice started that day, and it was still pretty hot. It was probably around, it might have even been between practices. They had a morning practice and then the afternoon practice. So I went up on the tennis courts, and I timed myself like they did. I think they had thirty seconds or something like that to run down, run the sprint the hundred, and then jog back to the other end. Or twenty two seconds. It was something timed. I, I just remember I had the exact time. And mind you, I hadn't trained for this but I did the, I did the run test. And then I went back to Donna, who later the next day and said, Hey, Tom, I did the run test today up on the tennis courts in the heat and I completed it and I didn't throw up. So don't lump us all in together when you're talking about, uh, you know, all these guys, you, you guys couldn't do the run test. Don't put us all in that, uh, in that little uh, grouping there. And that, Brings me to, you know, some of my favorite memories of training camp were when we used to have a basketball game. This is probably 15 years ago now. Um, There were there were uh, a bunch of scouts, um, the front office people. Kevin Colbert kind of organized it. uh, So Kevin was still Kevin was in his 40s at the time. He hadn't had a hip surgery. yet. He he later had a hip replaced and he was a pretty fair basketball player. And there were some other guys on the staff that, that were good basketball players. Bruce McNorton, who was a scout, was a, of uh, course, a, a uh, an NFL cornerback. He was very athletic and, and, and a good basketball player. Um, Kelvin uh, Fisher, who's who's still on staff as a scout, was a good basketball player. Uh, Doug Whaley was really athletic, and then they would bring in some other guys. Like I can remember, one year I got stuck. Uh, I had to defend Mike Merriweather seemingly every every time we played because we were two of the bigger dudes on the court. And so I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, how, how am I getting stuck? I have to cover – I have to guard Merriweather all the time. Um, but I really enjoyed those games. They were competitive. Colbert doesn't like to lose. Um, I can honestly say that I more than held my own in those games, uh, but they were a lot of fun. Um, not all the media members could say that they held their own in those games, but uh, I, I certainly did. Uh, and it was a lot of fun and some good times were ahead until one time. And this pretty much ended the games at that point. Um, Eric Metz, who is an NFL agent, he still does some representing uh, of some players and he was playing with us. He had come out. I can't remember who his client was at the time, but he had somebody who was a client and they had just signed a contract or they were talking about signing a contract. I think it might have been Kendall Simmons, if memory serves right, but that I may not be correct on that one. But that, that seems to be who I remember it being. So Eric was there and he he came over and he was playing at the at the basketball courts at St. Finn's College with us. And Jim Wexel, who God love Wex. Uh, he, he's, he is athletic. He does run and do things like that, but wasn't much of a basketball player. And Wex lost. He was guarding Mets, and he lost him. And Mets drives to the basket. And I jumped up to block his shot, and Mets just disappeared. And I came down, and I looked, and Mets had slid underneath my legs and slid and slid all the way past me, and I came down. I landed, and I look, and I turn around, and Mets is just holding his thigh in agony. He had torn a quad <laughs> as, as he came in, because I guess I don't know if he tried to stop as as he he saw me coming up, or if he tried to jump, and the quad just gave out. But that pretty much ended the um, the media stat slash uh, front office staff basketball game. We were all getting a little too old for that, anyways. But. Uh, um those used to be a lot of fun. Always enjoyed that. And, uh, um, you never knew who you were going to see in some of those games or who you were going to end up playing against or guarding. Um, but, uh, yeah, always a lot of fun. I've always enjoyed training camp. In fact, one more basketball memory for me from training camp, like I can remember, um, Willie Parker was probably in his second or third year and I was over shooting around over at the, over at the, uh, in the gym, and one of the other media members challenged me to a, uh, to a game of one-on-one and we're playing and I see Willie walk into the gym down at the other end and he's walking through and I'm playing. I, I pull up, I, I hit a three point shot with the guy on my face. It's meant we're playing, make it, take it. Um, he gives me the ball back. I do it again. Same thing. A couple dribbles. He's up in my face. I hit the three point shot. Um, it gives it back to me again. I do the same thing again. And I hear Willie say something behind me and I turn around I look at him. He just nods his head at me like, yeah, nice. Um, so Willie was always my guy. I think I might've been the first guy in Pittsburgh to, uh, to interview Willie when he was a, uh, an undrafted rookie free agent. I wrote that story for another website that I was writing for at the time when I was talking, made sure I talked to all of the, uh, the undrafted rookies to try to learn a little bit about those guys. So Willie uh, Willie and I were always cool. And I just remember him looking at me and kind of shaking his head like, yeah, man, you got some game. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Anyways, I'm really looking forward to training camp. I hope you are too. We'll bring you all the coverage here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'll be doing this every day. So make sure you listen. You can listen to all of our shows here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Give us a like, uh, you know, make some mentions of uh, everything, uh, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. It doesn't matter. We like it all. Uh, It gives us some feedback on on everything that we're doing here. But that's going to do it for today's show. I'll be back with you on Wednesday. We'll wrap up uh, everything that happens in the uh, reporting day. We'll do that then. And I'll talk to you then.